Welcome to Gestational Diabetes Club. I'm your host, Helena, dietitian, nutritionist, vegetable enthusiast, and big fan of strong coffee and dark chocolate. Join me here each week to chat about all things gestational diabetes. We'll cover everything you need to know about your nutrition, lifestyle, and all the messy bits in between so that you can feel empowered to optimize your blood sugar, grow a healthy baby, and create sustainable healthy habits to last a whole lifetime without the stress, overwhelm, guilt, or confusion. Thanks so much for joining me, and I hope you love it here. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Gestational Diabetes Club. Now, today we're talking about eating out with gestational diabetes. And, you know, I think that this is probably one of the things that most of my clients struggle with the most. And it's definitely a topic that a lot of you have been asking me to talk about. So let's do it. And let's start off with why it's important. And I think, like I just said, it's one of the things that my clients find the hardest to navigate during their gestational diabetes journey. And it's a really big part of our lives. It includes lots of different things. So might be part of your work life to go and have lunches and dinners out. Obviously, having time with family and friends, going over to people's houses, being able to buy something convenient on a busy day, going to events like weddings and birthdays, even your own baby shower, going away on holiday where you might have to eat in transit, work out how to handle things when you're actually at your destination. And realistically, you probably want to be able to keep living your life normally and enjoy food at all of these moments, regardless of whether you have gestational diabetes. And I think that it's really important that you're able to do that. Um, But I can understand how you might be feeling really anxious and stressed because you obviously need to work out a way to be able to eat that works for your blood sugar. And you can feel really isolated and just kind of want to crawl up and not actually leave the house after being diagnosed with gestational diabetes. Like that's definitely something that I've heard a lot of people experience. And that's such a big shame because food can be fun. It can be social. Like it can be all of those things. And I want it to be all of those things for you. So I know eating out just can be so tough. Like there's just so many things that you need to juggle in terms of like timing and testing and what's going to work and what's not going to work and all the unknowns and all of that. But yeah, let's let's get into it all because I want you to be able to enjoy food. And, you know, as well, like I want you to be able to enjoy your pregnancy because it's meant to be such a special, joyful time. And I know gestational diabetes can feel like it's put a really big, dark cloud over that and mean that you can't do all of these things that you were really excited about, especially spending time with loved ones. But I want to give that back to you. (laughs) So yeah, like I was saying, I know you probably want to be able to keep living life normally and enjoying food, but you might also just be feeling really anxious and stressed. And then there's also that added pressure where maybe you don't even want to socialize because you don't actually want to be asked about your pregnancy and have to talk about gestational diabetes if that's feeling just really heavy and shameful and embarrassing or upsetting. And you might worry what people are thinking of you, or they might try and give you unsolicited advice, or you might be like feeling embarrassed asking about certain things on menus or asking waiters certain things. And you might be worried what your team will say if you end up with a spike or a higher reading after going out to eat. So it might just all feel like too much of a headache. So you might just end up feeling resentful of the whole situation around eating out and want to rebel 
and get whatever you want off the menu but feel trapped in a cycle of guilt if you decide to do that. So it's just so tough and I can imagine that your head is probably mixed up and all over the place. You're probably a bundle of emotions about it all. So as I said, I don't want you to feel like you can't or shouldn't go out or enjoy yourself in these moments and it's totally doable to be able to have a fun social life with gestational diabetes and enjoy food and you just have to know how to make smart and educated choices. And for special occasions, it's also important to recognize that blood sugar spikes are really only dangerous when they're consistent. So if most of the time you're getting good numbers and you have a special event like your birthday or a baby shower, it's not really harmful for you to have a little bit of cake or something like that and your team will absolutely get it. So just please know that you don't have to be perfect all the time. So let's unpack some of the barriers that make eating out really hard. Basically, there's a whole lot of unknowns to try and navigate and most of the time you won't know how the food has been cooked and you won't know what it's going to look like on the plate and sometimes just reading the menu description doesn't really give you a clear idea of that. And you don't know what time it will be served and you don't know how things are all going to come out, like whether it's all coming out at once or in separate bits and pieces and etc, etc. So all these unknowns make it really hard to know what to even choose from a menu, how to handle something like a wedding where you might have absolutely no idea what's going to be served or what time or anything like that. And it might even make things worse by creating more stress in your body, which just creates this cycle of further driving your sugar levels up. And then, as I mentioned, timing can be really hard. Often meals out are at different times to when we would normally eat at home, for example, going out to brunch or a late lazy lunch or a later dinner than usual. And this can be really tricky because our bodies actually love routine and they love sticking to our usual eating patterns because this like, gives us a sense of our circadian rhythm. So it can actually be really helpful for our blood sugar when we stay consistent. And the other thing is that often it really helps your blood sugar to have meals earlier in the day, whereas eating out is usually geared later. So having brunch, like a later breakfast or a later dinner. And at that point, our carb tolerance might not be as good. And if meals are combined, so again, the brunch example, it can be hard to know what to do. (laughs) Like, do you still wake up to test your fasting level? And then should you eat anything? Should you wait? And then, you know, the same thing if it's a late lunch or, you know, all of that sort of stuff and events, like it just makes it so hard to know what to do. And again, like generally in best practice gestational diabetes management, it's a good idea to space meals out across the day and include snacks so that you're not overloading the system with carbs all at one time. So a combined meal is like not really conducive to that as you generally be eating enough food to cover two meals worth. So, you know, on top of that, things can be spaced out differently, like lots of restaurants encourage you to share So you end up with certain dishes coming out as starters and then the sides and then the mains or just whenever things are cooked and when they're ready. So you have no idea of what order all of the food is going to be coming out in and it might not all be on the table at once. So it makes it really hard to put together your own plate or pick and choose what you want. And then It's really similar at things like weddings where you might have canapes on arrival and get an entree a few hours later and then what feels like ages later, get your mains 
And then at the end of the night, you finally get dessert. So you've got these random gaps of time between all of these little bits of the meal. So it just makes it really hard to know what to do in terms of like testing and all that kind of stuff. And then other situations might only have canapes or grazing tables and things like that, which makes it tricky for a few reasons. It can be really hard to gauge what you've actually eaten. And I generally encourage my clients to go for a certain balance of carbs, protein, veggies, and healthy fats on their plate when they're preparing their own meals. But it can be really hard to keep this balance in your head when things are coming out all over the place. And it's even harder if you don't know what food will be coming to you. So, you know, you'd be, you wouldn't be wise to fill up on all of the starters if the bigger plates that are coming out are more balanced. But what if you don't know that? And you can easily eat a few canapes and feel like you've had absolutely nothing. It didn't even touch the sides because it wasn't very substantial and have in reality eaten enough carbs to cover a whole meal. So then that would obviously get you in trouble if then the main meal comes out and then you double up. And on top of this, it can be really hard to know when to test if your meal is spaced out across an hour or more. So generally, when you go out for a meal as well, you sit and enjoy it for a while afterwards, right? But we know that movement after eating is actually a really key strategy to help avoid spikes and transport sugar out of the bloodstream. So that can be frustrating in itself to have eaten a meal that may have been higher carb than usual at a less ideal time and then also be kind of restricted and unable to get out to go for a walk or something, which maybe you do normally in your own day-to-day life. And then if you can't choose the place or are limited in what's offered on the menu, it's really tough to know what to do and you can end up eating something that you just know isn't going to be great for your blood sugar, but not really be able to do anything about it. And this happens pretty often because essentially carbs are going to be the cheapest component of a meal a lot of the time for restaurants to produce. So they tend to bulk things out with them and that can make it very hard to make appropriate balanced choices. And as well as carbs being fairly cheap for venues to put on the menu, they're also delicious. So extra carbs can sneak in without you even really being aware of it. So for example, reading a menu, you might not associate something like meatballs or battered fish or chicken schnitzel with carbs, but there's likely a pretty decent serve of carbs in all of those things. And then there's other bits and pieces like sauces and things that have got glazes and like candied nuts and sweet chili and balsamic and all that kind of stuff, which also adds extra carbs, but can be very easy to overlook on a menu or might not even be mentioned. And then there's other times, like if you're going on holidays and staying in a hotel without a kitchenette, this introduces more challenges as you need to think about more than just one meal. And it can be stressful knowing how to navigate three meals and snacks every single day without having proper storage, like maybe just a mini fridge and no cooking equipment and sometimes limited shops and other people's food preferences and things like that to work around as well. So, you know, and then also like maybe you have no idea what the structure of your day is going to look like and where you're going to be and what you're going to eat and when you're going to test and all of those unknowns too. And as I just touched on, a big barrier can be being around others. So you might need to ask for something specific on the menu, like the dressing on the side, and feel really judged for that. 
Or you might not have told people about your gestational diabetes and worry that they'll notice that you're making a different choice to your usual choices or asking the waiter more questions than usual or something like that. And that might make you feel really uneasy, especially if you don't really want to share. And you might not want to inconvenience others or feel like you're prying if you're attending something and you want to find out what food will be served or ask for a modification and it can feel really uncomfortable, especially if you're not particularly close to the hosts, to try and ask questions about it. And you might fear what other people will think of you or you might be worried that they're going to judge you for being unhealthy if you have gestational diabetes. And it could go the other way too, and if you've decided to treat yourself, you might feel judged for that as well. And you might have well-meaning people in your life giving you unsolicited advice or commenting on your food choices, which can just be unbearable. And there might be times where you feel really conflicted too. For example, if it was your birthday and you really wanted to enjoy the day and have your favourite food and have a piece of cake and all that stuff, but just feel so stressed about the prospect of what would happen if you did do that or what would happen if you just didn't test at all and, you know, just that fear might just send you absolutely spiralling. And another thing that makes it hard is that eating out often means that there's more energy or calorie-dense and less nutritious foods around. This generally isn't a problem every now and then, but if you do eat out frequently, it can impact your overall health and well-being. And I certainly know some people whose jobs and things like that include a lot of eating out and it really can make it hard to maintain any sort of structure or like healthy eating patterns. And this can make insulin resistance worse and it's basically not that ideal when we're aiming to keep you as healthy as possible to minimise excess weight gain during your pregnancy and avoid complications and reduce your risk of chronic disease like type 2 diabetes down the track. So let's talk about some of the common mistakes and a big one is totally eliminating carbs. So I get that the automatic thought is to just cut the carbs from the meal and then you'll be fine. And if you've been thinking that you need to remove the carbs from all of your options like getting bunless burgers or stir fry without the rice or just leave on salads then I've definitely got good news for you. Because including carbs can be absolutely fine and sometimes it's actually more beneficial than restricting them. So in some people, the lack of carbs in the meal seems to have a bit of a rebound effect where the liver compensates and actually releases more sugar into the bloodstream anyway. And that can create a higher number later on in the day or carry over to the next day. And that definitely doesn't happen to everybody. Like some people will be totally fine just having a carb-free meal if that feels easier. but I figure you're probably more satisfied with carbs in your meal anyway, and like I said before, they generally taste nice, so it kind of makes it more enjoyable too. And then a bit of the opposite to what I just said, if you're somebody taking a different approach and you order things that come as a mixed meal, like pasta or a noodle soup or something like that, it can be really hard to balance it because you can't easily see and gauge what proportions of carbs, proteins, fats and fibre you're getting. And ideally, we want to be able to create a really nice balanced structure of the meal that does have all of those components in ideal proportions. So those mixed type meals, they can make it really challenging. Another mistake is choosing the vegetarian or healthy seeming option on the menu. This this can feel quite natural, right? After cutting carbs to look for the 
healthiest on paper option. And often this means the vegetarian one. And this can be really hit and miss because often vegetarian options aren't actually any more nutritious than other menu options. And a lot of the time they end up being a really big carb overload because vegetarian proteins also double as carb sources a lot of the time. For example, legumes like chickpeas. On top of this, they might be lacking a good protein source to buffer out a rise in blood sugar. So for example, if it did have something like chickpeas, you'd have to eat heaps of them, like a whole cup of chickpeas as an example, to get a decent hit of protein, which would be driving up the carbs and can be kind of uncomfortable for some people. Some people don't tolerate that much in terms of legumes and things like that. Or the restaurant might offer something as a vegetarian alternative that seems like it's a protein, but actually isn't. So often they'll give you stuff like mushrooms, for example, and you might assume that that's your source of protein, but has no protein in it in reality. And you would rarely see a good portion of something like tofu, eggs, or cottage cheese as some examples of things that would be good sources of protein, like you just generally don't get good amounts of those in a vegetarian meal. And, you know, that hurts me to say because I'm the biggest advocate for vegetarian eating and being more plant-based, but sometimes eating out, it's just not going to give you that balance of nutrients that you're looking for. This kind of overlaps with the previous point, but aside from choosing vegetarian options without a good source of protein, there also seems to be Just this really big misconception that things like mushroom, jackfruit, avocado, sweet potato, coconut yogurt, and all those types of things are protein. And I think this has been really perpetuated by cafes and restaurants commonly offering things like that as alternatives to the standard protein offered in a dish, like mushroom burgers or being offered extra avocado if you don't want an egg in your brunch, for example. And this often leads to an unbalanced meal without that solid buffer to that potential rise in blood sugar. And you might also end up eating more because it's perceived as healthy. So still back on that theme, you could be fooled into ordering something that seems really healthy, but is a carb nightmare. So similar concept, but things like a burrito with rice and beans or a breakfast granola with coconut yogurt or an acai bowl. These sound great on paper and they, they do have some really wholesome nutrient-dense ingredients, but the ratio is just off for your needs. And then not recognizing hidden carbs. So this is a tricky one that, again, I touched on earlier, but there are lots of sneaky ways that carbs get introduced into a meal. So you might think that you're choosing something low carb and go ahead and add some carbs like a side of rice and then be surprised with a massive number. And this can happen with things like meatballs, which would likely have breadcrumbs or flour in them, chicken schnitzel, where it's easy to overlook the crumbing, or fish and chips. So again, you might not consider the batter. And other times it can be in sauces, so something glazed or balsamic dressings or sweet chili, for example. And you don't always have to totally avoid these things, but you do need to be aware of them and get familiar with reading menus and asking questions so that you don't accidentally double or triple down on the carbs. And another big one, a big mistake, is just rolling with it. So we all kind of want to be the easygoing, not difficult friend 
and we don't want to cause a scene. And so very often we struggle communicating with others about our preferences or needs. And this is obviously not doable in some situations like a wedding or a planned event, but for more low-key things, it can be a mistake to just roll with someone else's suggestion instead of having more input. So you've got to get proactive and assertive. And another big mistake is restricting food in the lead up to the meal out. And this isn't something that is strictly gestational diabetes related, but a really common pattern that I see in a lot of women and might help you nonetheless. So, you know, you've probably had that thought before where you're going out for like, let's say an indulgent dinner. So then you might tend towards eating a little bit less all day to make room for it, right? Please don't do this. It generally always backfires and can lead to overeating and feeling more out of control when you're at that meal out. So a common thought pattern is that if you eat more during the day, then you still wouldn't be able to stop yourself overeating at dinner and it would just be a whole disaster and the whole day would be a write-off. But normally that doesn't happen and following your usual eating pattern is much more helpful and often prevents that really chaotic out of control feeling when you do get to that dinner. And especially with gestational diabetes, eating normally throughout the day is really important to keep your blood sugar regulated. So you don't have to miss out because of gestational diabetes. A lot of the time you don't need like a special meal or consideration and can find a good option based on what's on the menu. And if you do your best to make a good choice, but you still have a spike in your blood sugar, it's not really considered a major problem if your numbers most of the time are looking good and it's not happening very often. Your team would really honestly never look at that one time you went out for dinner and got a slightly higher number and tell you off or jump to medicating it unless it was like really, really high or again, it was happening all the time. Everyone on the team is so much more interested in what your numbers do most of the time and an explainable spike is really not going to cause harm. So that's definitely not licensed to go out and eat a family-sized pizza and Coke to yourself every weekend, but just to reassure you that it can seem like a huge big deal at the time, but in reality it probably doesn't matter in the bigger scheme of things. So my best tips, number one, look up the menu in advance and if possible, the nutrition panel. A lot of places actually have this available now, especially bigger chain restaurants. So that can make life much simpler. And having a plan in advance really helps because it can be easy to go blank or feel stressed out trying to make a decision in front of other people, especially if they don't necessarily know you have gestational diabetes. Or if they do know, they might still not understand that you need a minute to properly look through and decide. So please do your best to be proactive and make a plan before you find yourself getting flustered on the spot. And on the note of being proactive, get a sense of where the places with the best options are and use those when you need something quick at work or as easy suggestions when you're going out with other people. So be the one to take the lead in the group chat in picking a place and just be a little bit selfish about choosing somewhere that works for you because it can still be delicious. So You don't even have to tell anyone your reason for choosing that place, but if you do share that you have gestational diabetes and want to make sure that you have good options, I'm sure that most people would be more than understanding and accommodating of that for you too, especially if you choose somewhere that's just delicious anyway. And ask questions. So again, being proactive and asking about your options goes a long way. 
This is particularly helpful to do in advance. For example, if you have a friend's birthday party or something, ask them well beforehand what they're planning food-wise, and I'm sure that they would be more than happy to tell you. And if it's something low-key, like a barbecue, you could always offer to bring a plate or a nice big salad so that you know that there will definitely be something there that you can have or at least can bulk up your plate with if nothing else ends up being a good choice. And on that note, please don't assume that there will be like a salad or something there because if I had a dollar every time one of my clients said to me, it'll be fine, like they always have salad and then there's no salad or there's this like tiny little bit of like veggie side and there's not enough to go around, honestly, please just BYO, be the person that brings the salad and it's just a nice gesture. So it again, like it doesn't need to be you telling them that you have a gestational diabetes specific meal. It can simply be a nice gesture to bring something that everybody can share and make it delicious. And you can do the same thing with venues. So if you know you're going out to lunch at a particular place but can't find the menu or see anything you think you want on there, email or call them before you go. So this gives them a chance to make sure that they actually can provide whatever modification you're needing and accommodate for you. And most of the time, places are happy to do this when they know in advance. The other thing is, if you don't know where you're going, you can still ask when you're there to check on things or ask for modifications. And a lot of the time, it just won't be an issue. Now, aim to choose things that come as separate components rather than those mixed meals. So some good examples, things like Thai chicken stir fry with a side of rice, rather than going for a mixed dish like fried rice where it's all combined in together already. And this helps you gauge the portion of each component. So those components being protein, carbs, fats, and fiber. And you can try and keep it similar to what you would normally ideally be doing at home. So aiming for like half a plate of veggies, a quarter of a plate of good protein, about a quarter of a plate of carbs, depending on what type of carb it is, Um, And that would be a more balanced way to go about things. And generally when doing this, your choice will be based around the protein component. And then if missing the carbs or the veg, you can generally add your own based on whatever else is on the menu. So for example, if there's like a Thai stir fry chicken with veggies, you can add your own side of rice and control the amount that you're putting on your plate. If this isn't doable, then still do your best to create that balance somehow. So for example, if doing pizza or pasta, order a big side salad. And if ordering for the table, please get enough. So you might need multiple of those sides. Or if you're doing like takeaway at home, you could add your own quick salad kit or quickly cook up some extra veggies or add your own balanced side of carbs. So again, with that stir fry example, you've got a Thai stir fry chicken and vegetables and do just like a really quick or microwave patch of basmati rice to go alongside it. Or you could do pizza and put together a quick salad. Other examples of good choices to go for on a menu would be something like a piece of chicken or fish with a side of veggies and another side of potatoes or bread, and just be really mindful about that portion size. A dry or light curry with protein and vegetables and rice on the side. A burrito bowl with protein and beans as the carb and no rice. Rice paper rolls without the rice noodles because the rice paper gives you the carb. 
sandwiches on just small square sandwich loaf bread. So not like a huge focaccia or Turkish loaf, just like, you know, you know, when bakeries just do like a build your own sandwich, that kind of thing. Some burgers, so at places like Grilled, if you're in Australia, they can do some just really wholesome burgers that can work. Plain Subway, just making like a big salad sandwich at Subway, that can be fine. Salads with protein and a vegetable-based carb, so something like sweet potato or legumes and no other type of carb. So you can notice that in all of those examples, we're just trying to pick one source of carb. So whether that be potato, bread, rice, rice paper, those types of things, we just want to keep it limited to one type of carb to keep it simple. And be wary of things that are typically high carb. And note this happens fairly often as carbs are often the cheapest thing for the venue to put on the menu, as I said before. So examples of higher carb meals would be things like burritos with rice and beans, big focaccias, especially if on Turkish bread, as I said, thick crust pizzas, sushi, falafel, chips and fries, anything with noodles, rice or pasta, pastries like sausage rolls, pies and quiches. Smoothies and acai bowls, brunch with large slices of sourdough, granola, birch and muesli, and porridge. And also be aware of really high-carb words on menus. So things like crumbed, fried, tempura, battered, sticky, breaded, glazed, crispy, sweet, sweet chili, hoisin, barbecue sauce, sweet and sour sauce, and creamy dressings. And some better options to go for would be words like Stir-fried, grilled, poached, roasted, barbecued, and dressings based on oil, lemon, or vinegar. And then drinks-wise, stick to water, soda water, or a sugar-free soft drink to avoid carbs and additional calories from liquids. And for general health, also just avoiding things that are super calorie-dense and high in saturated fat is a good idea. So things like coconut rice anything really creamy like coconut-based curries, anything deep-fried, fattier cuts of meat like lamb, processed meats like salami, ham and bacon, chips and fries, even though they're delicious, um, try and just savour a few of them. Anything loaded, like loaded fries and desserts, again, they're delicious, but maybe just share a small portion with somebody else and bakery foods and coconut yogurt. So, They're things that are fine occasionally, but I just wouldn't recommend having them all the time. And as we touched on, you don't have to totally eliminate carbs. I would just aim to incorporate the more wholesome types where you can and replicate what you would typically do to get good numbers at home. If you were in a setting where you're sharing everything, aim to put things on your own plate instead of grazing it so that you can create appropriate portions. So aim for a big portion of vegetables, like half a plate of cooked vegetables or salad, a decent portion of protein, so about a quarter to a third of your plate, and then around that quarter or slightly less of carbs. And generally the fat portion will be taken care of by the restaurant or wherever, wherever you are, because that's the bit that makes it delicious, right? And if things are all coming out at different times, like in a banquet or a feed me style menu, keep a mental track of what you've had and what there is still to come and use the strategy I just mentioned, like putting things on your own plate instead of just picking at them to do your best in terms of keeping things balanced. 
and eat things in similar quantities as you normally would, so don't get overly full. And ideally, you want to stay in that regular eating pattern to support balanced blood sugar rather than eating heaps at one meal. So, for example, instead of having a massive lunch out at a restaurant and skipping dinner, which could easily lead to a blood sugar spike no matter how low GI your choices were, Aim to eat until you are just comfortably full so that in a few hours you are ready to have like a lighter dinner at the very least again. And even if you are just having like a light meal or even a snack afterwards, it's generally better to do that and keep a relatively consistent intake day to day. As I said at the beginning, our bodies just thrive on routine. And another example of that would be like, you know, if you're having brunch and often brunch is like 10 or 11 a.m. or something like just treat it as lunch. Just get up early, have a bit of a snack or like a light breakfast still, and then just go and treat it as lunch. You know, it's it's kind of easy to do that kind of thing. And you can also do some other things to make it more likely that you'll get a good number. So for example, if you can, after your meal, go for a walk. So even a quick 10 minutes around the block can help to use the glucose in your blood and help bring down your blood sugar levels. You could also try and exercise in the afternoon, so particularly resistance training as this may have a long-lasting effect to continue bringing down your blood sugar in the hours after finishing your session. Have a protein and fibre-rich snack before you go. So some good examples are things like a tin of tuna and veggie sticks Um, and having these first can help buffer a rise in blood sugar as your body has to work to digest them. And you can also add something like apple cider vinegar to a meal or eat a salad with some vinegar dressing beforehand to bring your numbers down. So I think they're all my best tips. And hopefully that makes you feel reassured that it's not just you that's feeling like eating out is really complicated and frustrating and stressful. Everyone is going through the same thing and finding it hard. But I really, really hope that some of these tips are practical and simplify things a little bit for you because like I said I really want you to be able to enjoy food and enjoy this part of your pregnancy and enjoy being social and being around other people and not feel like you have to be isolating yourself just because you have gestational diabetes and it doesn't always mean you have to go and choose the boring carb-free option on the menu. But of course, it can really help having somebody to workshop this with. So, you know, for example, what I do with my clients, like if they've got something coming up, I get them to send me through the menu and I always ask what they're thinking about, what they think looks really good or what they think would be a good choice for their blood sugar. And then I basically just cross check that and I'm not there to be all like, oh my gosh, no, you can't have that. What were you thinking? Like I just try and take a really collaborative approach and whatever they want to have, I try and work with it and just say, okay, how can we optimize it? So maybe can we add a side with that? Or maybe this would be a better idea and you could have a little bit of that or share some of that other thing that you think looks really good and treat that as your carb, for example. And then we also build up that meal with some of these other components um, to make it more balanced. So little bits and pieces like that. And then working out how to navigate the rest of the day around it to give them the best chance of having stable blood sugar and avoiding a spike. But then, you know, also just again to reassure all of you that if there are some really special occasions where we kind of know that you're going to get a spike, we can just do the best risk management possible and say, okay, well, how do we still optimize things around that? And 
it can just be very helpful to communicate with your team as well. Like, right, I've got this wedding, I'm probably going to get a spike or at least write it on your food and blood sugar log so that everybody is clear on that. Because otherwise your team may well say, oh, we need to get some insulin involved because there's clearly some spikes happening here and things are out of control. Whereas if you can have a clear explanation to say, no, I was at this event and so that's why this happened, or even better, communicate in advance to say, I'm going to this event, this is maybe what's going to happen. And then, as I said, the people who you are working with can help you formulate a plan for that. And then you can all be on the same page about what's going on with your blood sugar and it just makes things a whole lot smoother. So yes, I think that's all of my best tips. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. And if you are looking for more support and are interested in hearing more about my coaching programs, then please drop me a DM on Instagram. That's the best way to get in touch. I am at nutrition.by.helena. If you're not already following me, go and follow me. Drop me a DM if you're interested in coaching. And if you did enjoy this episode, I would appreciate so, so much as well if you could leave me a rating or a review and subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss future episodes. But that is it. And I will chat to you soon. Bye. That is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you haven't already, please make sure that you subscribe or hit the plus button so that you can get new episodes delivered straight to your podcast app every week. And if you did find this episode useful, I would appreciate it so, so much if you could leave a rating and review or share it with a friend. It helps me reach more people so that I can help them take some of the stress out of gestational diabetes too. And if you want to keep learning about all things gestational diabetes, head to my website to find all the ways that I can support you. Thanks so much. Chat soon. Bye.